Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode of Fat Mascara is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest. Plus, it can help you develop coping skills that make your life easier. I will give you an example. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say it to Jess or to a guest, reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never gonna get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe, I get to choose which projects I work on. So I'm in control of what I work on. And if I want to collaborate more with others, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I can just do it. See what I did there? That's reframing. If you've been thinking about starting therapy or are looking for someone to help you process things and give you coping skills, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mascara. Again, betterhelp.com slash mascara. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fat Mascara. I'm Jen. Jess is here for this interview as well, but I'm just popping on first to give you a little background on our guest, Amy O'Dell. So this interview is a culmination of a discussion we've been having for quite a while here at Fat Mascara, you know, about the evolution of media, the intersection of fashion and beauty culture, and the biggest theme, you've heard us harp on this endlessly, how celebrities have infiltrated the beauty worlds. So Amy is a journalist and the author of Anna, the biography, a deeply researched book about Anna Winter and her rise to fame at Vogue. She's also worked at BuzzFeed and Cosmopolitan. Her work has appeared in New York, Time, Bloomberg, Business Week, and others. And Jess and I are huge fans of her Substack newsletter, Back Row, which Amy calls an ad-free fashion and culture newsletter that publishes what legacy media can't. 
We asked her on the show to discuss some of the topics she's been writing about and to have her turn her sharp analysis and critical eye on the beauty industry for a minute. So let's get into it. So Amy, hi, welcome. You know, we started talking immediately as soon as we got online. I don't want our listeners to miss out on any of this, so let's get right into it. You're a fashion journalist, but also a pop culture commentator and someone who watches the evolution of media really closely. What would you say are the biggest influences shaping how we see beauty and fashion today? So I think the 2010s were the era of Instagram and social content. And I think the 2020s are the era of TikTok, short-form video, and individual voices like me who is writing their own Substack. And content consumption is really going to newsletters dramatically away from websites and I think media brands. So I think it's going to be a hard decade for those legacy media brands, although they've had a lot of hard decades in recent <laughs> years. <laughs> I definitely agree. And I think that puts a lot more power right in the in. It feels like a lot more. It feels like a more democratic era. Mm. Yeah, I think so. And then, you know, I think of my consumption, my media consumption habits, and I'm not a normal consumer of media, but I do enjoy fashion. I enjoy reading about fashion. I enjoy talking about fashion. And I find that I get, I I just love fashion TikTok. And I realize that's not an original point of view, but (laughs) there are some really distinct, fascinating voices on there. And I think that short form video is a really great way to critique a fashion show. There's a lot of people doing runway recaps and fashion criticism on there. And I think it's a great way to do it because you can look at the clothes while someone is talking about them. And it's just, it's so much more efficient than reading a review. I still enjoy reading reviews, Mm -hmm. but I'm totally happy to like follow these people who are doing this commentary, doing these reviews. I am, I get lost in it. I look forward to knowing what they have to say about a show. Who, who are some of these people? Like, who are your big follows? So at Relax, It's Only Fashion, uh, Timothy <laughs> is really great. Oh, he's he's a delight. He's so good. And, you know, I was watching one of his videos the other day, and my husband, who doesn't have any interest in this stuff, <laughs> was listening just like next to me overhearing him talk. And he was like, you know what? That's actually a really smart review. (laughs) Uh, So he's really good at it. There's Mandy Lee. She's at Old Loser in Brooklyn. She's a trend forecaster. She (laughs) she talks about that. Yes, we learned about vabbing from her. Yeah, she's great. Uh, Who else? I I recently became really into uh, Taylor Wang, who has kind of a no-holds-barred approach. Like, He will say that he thinks the Fendi show was really bad, but, you know, when he loves something, like he gives tens where tens are due. And are a lot of these people not connected to fashion, i.e. they don't have anyone, you know, to be holden to? I mean, they are connected to fashion, you know, because they're talking about it and it's their thing. No, I mean, like they're not, no advertisers. The old advertising model. no, No lunches to go to. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, they do have advertisers. Like, I mean, on TikTok, I see them do sponsored stuff, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is Mm -hmm. great because I think people should get paid for all this work that they do for social media. So Mm -hmm. I I applaud these people who get those deals. But yeah, it's, I mean, 
it, it, they are really beholden to themselves, that said, and, you know, whatever they want to yeah. do with their business. And yeah, so it, it is different than when you're working at a magazine and you've got to go to like, I don't know. Gosh, I'm trying to remember things that we had to do when we worked at magazines that you don't have to do when you're independent. Yeah, they don't have to go to the the lunch or the launch party or yeah. they don't even have to go to the fashion shows. They don't have to go because yeah. they have the the runway slideshows that they can use that are, you know, enough. They have the videos that they can use, which are also helpful for the audience to see. So yeah, they don't have to, they don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to like be embraced. Yeah. So what's your perception of fashion journalism and beauty journalism like in comparison? Like, you know, you have a really interesting spot because you you have worked at, you know, so many different titles and you've been able to kind of look at both in context. Like, what do you think is different and what do you think is the same? They are very different beats. Yeah, they're really different. I think that beauty, you know, beauty is more mass than fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at just the the luxury end of the market, even luxury beauty, it's much more mass because often that's the entry point for customers into a brand. Like if I can't afford anything from Prada, maybe I will buy a Prada fragrance or I think they just came out with a something else. Didn't they just come out with a beauty line? Am I imagining that? They used to have a beauty line, but there's talk of another one. Okay. I just got a press release, a press release of images of celebrities at a Prada party. Maybe it was a fragrance thing. Yeah. They have, they have fragrance. Yeah. Yeah. So it's much more mass. So I think it can be a little bit, I don't know what the right way to say it is. I don't know if it's easier or less frustrating from a coverage perspective, mm-hmm. because often if you can't get into a brand any other way, you can get in through beauty because those products are more mass and, you know, luxury fashion is so much more expensive. Fewer consumers are able to buy it and enjoy it. And I think brands are more protective of their fashion adjacencies than their beauty adjacencies. So I think that changed the dynamic of how it's covered. And certainly a lot more outlets are going to be able to cover, get, get some sort of inside track on beauty I think, than fashion. What about on some like the more current issues though? Like I couldn't help but think in your last post or recent post, you said, why hasn't fashion canceled Kanye West? I think beauty has done a really good job or has done, made a really good effort (laughs) in certain topics like inclusivity, like, you know, size inclusivity, more progressive issues. Shade inclusivity. Shade inclusivity for sure. At least for the past, like, you know, seven, eight years. And I thought about your post and I'm like, you mentioned fashion. I haven't really heard beauty talk about it. It's not really a beauty situation. You know, it was a fashion show. And I thought like, how would beauty handle that? I don't know. It's kind of, I'm arguing a little bit like in the absurd. It's really hypothetical, but I'm just curious. No, think about like Dolce & Gabbana. Like that perfume is still selling well and some people have an issue with Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, you don't have to speak to that issue necessarily, but I'm just like, no, just give an example. Yeah, I'm I'm curious like how you think beauty compares with fashion and like a little bit like culturally. Or Johnny Depp. Um, Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that that was a great post that you wrote. Yeah, I think that beauty and fashion have the same problems. You know, the fashion industry and... Um, you follow beauty more closely than me. Yeah. I'm hearing you say that the beauty industry is doing this too, which is representing more diverse people in marketing mm-hmm. images, right? And in the products that they offer. And I think that's good and that's important and that should continue and we should applaud, mm-hmm. you know, when the industry makes important changes like that so that they keep doing it. However, you know, if you look at who's running 
luxury fashion brands or fashion companies in general, that's not a diverse group of people. Not really. You know, no. there's maybe one or, you know, <laughs> one or two more people since the social justice movement caused people to think more deeply about this in 2020. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not a diverse group of people. And I think that's a problem. And also, you know, who's getting money to start beauty lines? Who's getting money to start product lines uh, in general? Let's talk about it. It's celebrities. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, it's celebrities. I mean, I I would like to see it, you know, a, di- a truly diverse group of founders and business leaders in fashion and beauty. And it's funny, I wrote about Aloe Yoga recently, and it's mm-hmm. like that is a brand <laughs> run, you know, run by these very wealthy white men. I, you know, I don't know. I don't under, I actually don't understand Aloe. I don't, I've never experienced like the brand. I don't know. I've I heard actually, of it, but I, I don't really know. I it. did, I did call them out for being hypocritical, but I've bought their stuff and I, I like their stuff actually. And I wear a lot of that stuff because I work from home and mm-hmm. I don't have to get dressed to go to a workplace. And I do like their stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm almost like embarrassed to say after I took them down, but I'll be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my issue with with these companies, and like I talk about this in my newsletter a lot, is like they claim that they have these values because they know that Gen Z and you know millennials too are really interested in supporting companies that have values. However, if you just really like do like an hour of research, you can kind of quickly see that they don't really embody those values. Right. So I think it's healthy to call people out for that kind of thing. Corpor- yeah. Corporations for for that kind of thing. Totally. And let's not pat our beauty back here, Jess, because we sh- there are the same things going on in beauty, the, uh, the parallel being like, I'm clean or uh, this is eco-friendly because it's refillable. And then you're like, wait, there's a case on the outside that I didn't even need. So why does the refill And they've made in, 45 SKUs <laughs> that were not necessary that year. Amy, like other than the parallels that we're talking about, they're in the beauty industry as well. I want to know your take a, on the values don't line up with what the marketing says. Have you seen that in the beauty industry? But also the celebrity beauty lines. You know, I can't think of a lot of fashion examples other than the Victoria Beckham, the Olsons, Rihanna. But like, there's not like in beauty with all these celebrity lines. So what do you think of the celebrity beauty lines? I think that celebrity beauty lines are often the quintessential example of values not matching operations, you know? And I... I took so I, I sort of wrote takedowns of a lot of them and I stopped because it was kind of like, how many can you really say the <laughs> same things about? I was kind of boring myself with it. But it's like, I don't know, which one do you guys want to talk about? We could talk about Scarjo, you know, we could talk about Jennifer Aniston, Nicole Kidman. Has you had one. issues with those lines, yeah. <laughs> well, it's just if you read them, they're so blatantly hypocritical. I think it's truly hard to come up with a beauty product that is not being made. Uh, am I like, are we missing anything? You know, we don't know yet. (laughs) Certainly not a moisturizer. (laughs) Yeah. Like like when Kim Kardashian's skincare line came out, that's S-K-K-N or skin. Yeah. Skin. Yeah. Yeah, You know, and she's saying it, it. I remember it being marketed and I don't have the exact language in front of me, but I remember it. I think memory of marketing is important. I do remember it being marketed as like a simple routine that was sustainable, like meaning for the planet, not just like the individual woman or person who would be using it. Mm -hmm. And I want to say it included like eight or nine products. Mm -hmm. And Kim did some interviews where she was talking about how, you know, her routine is that she kind of like uses all of these 
products every day or she uses like five of them every day or something. And I, you know, that to me is not like an easy routine. It's not an inexpensive routine. And I think one of the sustainability attributes she was touting is that like you can you can refill your containers instead of like buying whole new containers every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, like you're still getting the product shipped to you. I don't remember if you were like, I don't think you were mailing it and getting something mailed back. I think they mail you refills. That's probably pretty common now. I don't, I don't buy a lot of skincare products, so I don't really know. It's common, but it's like the outer casing is this big plastic thing. And they're very proud that this smaller plastic thing inside it is the refillable thing. And you're like, well, maybe just do away with the big plastic thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So it's just kind of stuff like that, that, you know, it's just so hard for any, you know, I've reported on this in fashion. I think the same is true for beauty. Like no new product is truly sustainable because the beauty industry is not planting trees. Neither is the fashion industry. They're taking resources from the planet to make their products and then they're employing fossil fuels to ship those products out or, you know, fly ingredients to their factory or whatever it is that they're doing. I found it very difficult as an editor working in magazines to pitch any kind of story about sustainability or less is more or anything in this world because it flies in the face of advertisers. Consumerism. Yeah. <laughs> Did you yeah. ever come up against that? I, I personally don't recall that being the case, but bef- when I was at, when I was working in magazines or for other publications, it wasn't as big of a topic. So it might mm-hmm. partly be that, but I do remember when I was at the, Cosmo, the pile of ocean trash, the the floating trash island was was not as big. Then it was uh It was a, it wasn't <laughs> We just didn't care about it. <laughs> it wasn't it, it just wasn't quite talked about as much. It wasn't chic. It wasn't like high fashion to talk about the dirty underside. Yeah, I just think it wasn't I think people weren't looking quite as hard at these claims and thinking quite as deeply about what they meant even if it was even if they were just lip service and that was obvious, it just wasn't as, you know, it was an urgent issue, but it wasn't talked about online in the same way. You know what I mean? So I don't recall that we were like doing a lot of stories about it and probably we should have been. I do recall doing some stories about, cause I'm kind of obsessed with uh, individual action versus policy when it comes to environmentalism and sustainability. And I tend to err on the, the public policy side that, you know, the way to really save our planet is going to come through policy, less so individual action. Yeah. Although I do believe individual action is important virtue signaling for politicians. So that said, I did assign a story that was signs you're not the environmentalist you think you are for Cosmopolitan, and it did really well. I love that. I love that. Yeah, no, listen, if I, if I buy, you know, a straw that's made of metal, I don't think that like I, there, I've done it, you know, it's, I don't think that, that I, I'm the one who's keeping... I don't think I'm the I'm I'm going to make the change in the world. I totally agree with you. I don't know. I think I've just always found this topic really challenging to uh, get through. Anyway, but yeah, no. The thing is with publications, like they're there to sell product. They're a conduit from yeah. the the fashion and beauty industries to the general public. They're there to sell us things, and they do that in different ways. They do that through fashion editorials. They do that through covers where a celebrity is wearing um, a Dior dress. They do it now so commonly all the time through online shopping posts, you know, just like 
you know, the 10 loafers you need this fall or whatever it is. And they make money from from purchases. I think consumers are becoming quite savvy to that, that they know if they click to buy something from Vogue.com, Vogue is going to earn money from that. So it is in the interest of publications to sell us stuff. And I know from my experience working in magazines that advertisers are looking, I'm sure you guys know this as well, advertisers are looking to see that the marketing they did in a magazine actually worked. Mm -hmm. So it's in the interest of the magazine to show that they're able to sell things to their readers. Yeah, but I also think people are smart and I think they they can tease out an article that's like, hey, these are the best ones. I, I don't know. I just, I think people can handle two concepts at once. I don't know. Sorry, but <laughs> getting off, <laughs> getting off topic. No, I think you're right. And I think to come back to something we were talking about earlier, like, I think that that's why it's going to be such a hard decade for media because consumers yeah. are so savvy and they don't really, you know, accept the bullshit anymore. And I think that's kind of like the TikTok effect where people are unafraid to go on TikTok and just say whatever they think about a brand yeah. or whatever they think about an article. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's different from the environment that we've had really on Instagram. Very different. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less, they're $39.90. But the quality is excellent and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? 
They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Okay, everyone, I am one of those people who, when it comes to wellness, sorry, but it's got to fit into the pockets of my day. Five minutes here, seven minutes there, when I'm like in the kitchen and I'm microwaving something long, it's got to be convenient. And that is why Aloe Moves works for me. My mindset has changed. The app makes it easy for me to keep my wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place and bite-sized little bits. Yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that's going to fit into your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day. You know what feeling I'm feeling most days? I'm feeling 10 minutes. I've been doing that's good. Joanna Thompson's. Right? That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. 10 minutes. Joanna Thompson does these yoga lotties in 10. One day will be abs. One day will be arms. Today, Jess, is booty day. And we're just <laughs> going to get it done all in 10 minutes. If you're trying to get a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat-inducing yoga flows or the reformer Pilates workouts without weights. You can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves will teach you how to do it. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code MASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. Let's flip it and and not talk about top down and who these gatekeepers and media are, but the consumers, the people, the the lovers of fashion and beauty themselves. Who are they looking to now? I mean, the three of us are deep in it, so we think about it from our point of view. But who are they looking to to be find their beauty influences and their fashion influences? Is it, is it still celebrities? Is it more like TikTok influencers? Or co- I'm sorry, I should call them content creators. Is it the Kardashians? Do they do they have still have stock? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I think so. Yeah. I think it's I think it's all of the above, personally. I, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I think it's the Kardashians. I think it's all celebrities. I mean, we see images of celebrities wearing stuff all the time and it's talked about all the time. And I think it's also the creators on social media, on TikTok, on Instagram. You and know, and the, who is a creator? Is a creator like, you know, somebody with 150,000 followers or is it somebody with, wh- what does it take to be a creator now? Is it somebody with like fewer or like who, who is a creator in your eyes? I think everybody who makes content for social media is a creator, truly. I, you know, I know people who have fewer than 20,000 Instagram followers who sell a lot of products to their followers. I know people on TikTok who have 100,000 who do the same thing. I think there's a real range of like influence correlation to size of following, you know, like some, some I guess what we would call micro influencers mm-hmm. or nano influencers are very effective. 
But I'm curious also, does this mean that we are, you guys both named the Kardashians because they still seem to be like, everybody knows who they are, but there's this nicheification happening with our, you know, we live in our own little echo chambers of the style and beauty that we like. And sometimes somebody names a celebrity and I'm like, (laughs) I have no idea who that is. And how would you, if you weren't on like the certain vertical of Twitter, that's like my Twitter vertical with my people. Do you think that means that there'll be fewer trends in the future? Like we're not going to see these masks, like everybody is doing baggy sweatpants or whatever it is. Wait, who, who is a celebrity? Can you think of one who you didn't know? That like everybody would, that everybody would, that I don't know you mean? Yeah. Can you think of an example? I'm just curious. I'm sure that happens to me all the time Oh, like the Try Guys? I don't know. There was like some drama with the Try Guys and his divorce. And I was like, who the hell I didn't know who the Try Guys were either, Jen. I'm with you. Well, clearly, you know, I'm not their audience. Amy, did you know who the Try Guys are? Okay, I did, but only because I worked at BuzzFeed for a year and a half, I think, when they were Well, there you go. But like algorithmically, you know, our lives are driven by these things. You like this? Here's more of the same or whatever it is. Like, I don't have control as much (laughs) over the search. So like, they never entered my purview until, I guess, like maybe CNN or some like mainstream (laughs) media was writing about the guy's divorce and affair. But my my point (laughs) being like, this happens all the time, right? Yeah. Like, you you might have a best friend and like have no idea that they're in this like whole beauty little world, like clean girl aesthetic only. And those are the influencers <laughs> that they're into. And you might not have no idea that like other things are going on. Do you think that's going to affect the way fashion designers, brands that are doing makeup like trends, like put out their work? That's such a good question. I feel like we're in a trend saturation moment right now. And I'm that's not an original thought that's been written about, I think, a fair amount lately and talked about a fair amount lately, where I think that people were seeing a lot of traction around naming TikTok trends or trends that originated on TikTok. And so they were writing about them kind of endlessly. And that's where we got Coastal Grandmother and all of these, you know, I can't even think of all of them. Oh, well, we have beauty examples. We have gym lips. We have passport photo makeup. We have W blush. Like, they're things okay. that we've seen before, but now they have a name. So I'm behind. What are gym lips? Oh, my God. G- gym lips are a nude lip liner with lip gloss. Oh. Gym lips are literally <laughs> just nude lip, lip like, gloss. Okay. <laughs> Pumped up lips. But you wear them to the gym. Okay. I didn't it's know. It's so funny you say this because like on our, in our world, um, it, it has been an ongoing theme for the last two months, the giggles that we get over okay, this. Okay. So but you it's, guys it's, will have to tell me how I can learn about these things at the same time as you because I want to know about gym lips. But it's, it's such uh, silliness here's the thing. You're in your it's own so world on silly. TikTok. So, but our stuff doesn't get, you don't see about it where I think yeah, but 20 I want years to. ago. Yeah, that's weird. Right. But you yeah. have to search it out. It takes work now because otherwise you're just going to be fed more of what you already see. Whereas 20 years ago, you were getting a broader view and then you could dive well, deeper this is into like, the trends. Everybody's that you in liked. their own, I guess is what you're saying now. It's like everyone is like in their own tiny world. There's like no shared experience anymore. Like we all are like living in the same, like, does that bother you, Amy? I feel like there is shared experience, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Where? I feel like there is. Uh, well, I guess maybe because I do still read like Vogue and um, Vogue.com uh, and the New York Times and 
I guess I read them less and less actually now that I'm thinking about it. Maybe maybe I'm proving myself wrong. I don't know. I feel like there are still trends, you know, that we see like on the runways, for instance, cargo pants, you know, they were all over like uh Oh, I never or bleached let, got rid brows. Of that trend. I I mean bleached yes. brows okay, that one, has no. come into my world. <laughs> but I wouldn't say that's uh-huh. a shared are you do it? It's not a like shared universal <laughs> experience. <laughs> bleached no, brows. but like a lot of shows. But I know about these spring it. shows. Yeah. Yeah, I do it know came up again it. and again. Yeah. I think like, for instance, I, I, I do think there's sort of like a, uh, what would the word for it be? It's like an umbrella trend and then kind of micro trends that logically stem from it. Mm-hmm. Right now we're in a big Y2K moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of influencing everything. And I think that's going to continue probably at least for another season or two. Yeah. But I do think you're right. I do think you're right, though, you know, that we are seeing the things that we want to see and I think that that's, there's going to be ways that that's good and ways that that's bad. You know, I think this has been the problem with social media for a long time. And this is not just a fashion and beauty thing, but like, you know, people Hardly, in yeah. politics, in politics, people see the things that they agree with or the things that completely enrage them. And that obviously doesn't lead to like the healthiest national discourse. No, no, uh, not at yeah. all. Speaking of trends that were sort of omnipresent 10 years ago is like athleisure. The wellness thing was huge. Do you see that as still a big part of the beauty and fashion conversation? I think so. Do you guys? I think it's part of the conversation, but I definitely think in the past year or so, there's been like a skepticism of the wellness industry. You know, I think there's definitely been, oh yeah, more, mm-hmm. you know, some, I mean, please tell me you listen to maintenance phase. I do, yeah, I love maintenance phase. It's it's fucking brilliant. They're brilliant. amazing podcast. Um, again, more niche. This is not part of the you know national discourse, though it should be. Uh, <laughs> Institute in every health class, uh, but it's you know it's raising an eyebrow to you know not necessarily wellness culture, but diet culture. But they you know they question a lot of quote unquote wellness habits. They just did um, an amazing episode on goop and, you know, kind of questioning some of the wellness, you know, trends that have become sort of accepted, um, or like adopted by people, especially I think a lot of, you know, people who may not might be their first intro into wellness and questioning what wellness is. So, um, I don't know. I've always kind of thought that wellness and listen, I, I I read goop. I'm a fan of a lot of things that goop has done and, and they've normalized a lot of like sexual wellness and and stuff around that com- that whole conversation. So I I applaud a lot of what they've done, but um, I think just wellness, like it's kind of funny that it's couched in like the fashion beauty world. I'm I'm yeah. I'm not anti wellness. I'm not anti going to the spa or going to a doctor or getting a massage. I've talked about it like ad nauseum on this podcast, but I don't know. I'm, I I do think there's kind of been a a little bit of a question mark over a lot of wellness practices recently. Well, the perfect example is those shoes. Like these shoes that like you have to like break your back to wear them. The new like <laughs> flat forms are back. How many models wiped out at the spring fashion shows? Uh, like truly, that, was that is painful. not a wellness thing. What, what's, your t- what's your take on that? Tell everybody about the return of dangerous shoes, please. Okay, so uh, at the Valentino show in Paris this season, uh, spring 2023, the shows that just wrapped up, the designer who is, I think, widely regarded as quite good at what he does, Pure Paolo, sent, he cast unknown models because he wanted people to see them as individual people. I'm paraphrasing. 
and not, you know, judge them based on their rank in the industry. And they had to wear shoes that I think must have been poorly made because so many of them couldn't walk in them. And there were reports of these young women in tears on the runway. There was ample video footage of them unable to walk, falling down and taking off their shoes to get down the runway. And I think the layout of the runway was also very confusing. So models were kind of like walking in different directions. And it was just heartbreaking to see these young girls who, you know, this is like their big chance to break out as a runway model. And they're having this embarrassing experience. It was sad. But there were actually more extreme looking shoes, I think, at other shows. So Valentino did have the very high platform heels, but they also had, I think, just some standard pumps. But the flat form, the thick, thick platform has been everywhere. Do you find those easy to walk in? I would not, you know, I I would not wear those. I have a four-year-old. I, I don't think I could. I have a four-year-old and one-and-a-half-year-old. And since I had kids, I just, my body is different, and I really can barely wear heels. So I, I can barely wear anything, actually, but a sneaker. So these trends. Love a sneaker. Uh, you know, it, yeah, I just I just can't. I get backaches. Like, you know, it's, I, I wish that this wasn't what happened to me, but. It's just my life now. So I I wear flats or sneakers. I'm not going to be wearing these shoes. I don't have really anywhere to wear them anyway. But you know what? Like designers are trying to revive that sort of roaring 20s type feel in fashion because we've been home in a pandemic wearing athleisure and sweatpants. And I think there's this... You you think that's culturally what the what's going on here? We're yeah. swinging back to... Well, I think fashion is trying to swing us back to that. And I think to a degree... We will, because people are going to go to parties again. They're going to go to charity fundraisers again. Like all those things that weren't happening will happen. But I do also think that we are more casual. We are permanently more casual. And I don't know. I think that people are buying this stuff, though. There's that other shoe brand that I forget with like the big sparkly bows. I'm sorry. The name escapes me. Matcha Match? Is that it? Maybe. There's a couple of them. Anyway, anyway, yeah, I know that I know that people are buying this stuff. And I did a story actually for Fast Company not that long ago about an evening wear shortage, but that's also partly a supply chain issue. Like if you were going to try to buy an evening gown in the spring, it was really hard because there wasn't that much stock. And a lot of people were, you know, going to weddings and things. Mm-hmm. So I think that the pent up demand will die down. But yeah, I do think that the fashion industry is trying to capitalize on this feeling like we've emerged and we are going to get dressed up again and we're going to be glamorous and do our makeup and get new shoes. And I think to a degree that's going to happen, but I I don't know. I also, I just, I think a lot of people don't really feel so much joy in the current world that we live in. And I don't think, you know, the pandemic is still going on. There's so many issues that are, I think, weighing on, you know, sociopolitical issues that, that weigh on people every day. And I just don't think that like, new shoes are going to allow us to escape all escape all of that. Yeah. So I think there's a bit of a disconnect between that attitude, which like I appreciate and I want things to be that way. And I want to get dressed up and I want to enjoy getting dressed up. But there's still, you know, the reality that like the world is kind of in a dark place. If you, you know, a lot of us feel that way. To that point, everyone is talking about the recession. Depends on who you talk to. They either say it's looming, but I think it's fair to say it's here. So where do you think beauty fits into this? What does the lipstick index say that people will buy makeup when they 
aren't buying other things. Is that yeah. what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. It's, that it's kind of like bulletproof. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll see that. People are making a lot of video now. And I think people are going to do their hair and makeup to make those videos. So, mm. you know, and you don't necessarily need a whole outfit for that if you're going to just be a talking head, which is, you know, I make those videos all the time. But beauty tends to be more resilient, right? And a lot of the fashion companies have just come out with beauty lines, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's been a bunch of new ones. Dolce & Gabbana is one, right? If I'm not mistaken. Dolce & Gabbana had a beauty line and went bye-bye. I mean, Valentino and Hermes are still relatively new, sure. Yeah. Hermes Beauty is killing it. Yeah, there you go. So I think that, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, would they launch these these lines to capitalize on that or capitalize on a on a boom, I'm assuming, you know, because the battle with launching a beauty line is having the brand, right? And they already have the brand, so they may as well do the beauty line. Yeah, that's a really yeah. great point. What are some of your brands, Amy? You must you are a beauty consumer. I see your eyes and I'm yeah, thinking the I shadow wish I could is beautiful. Do eyeshadow like yeah. that. Shadow is beautiful. The the palette is um oh my god, what is it? It is an amazing palette. I've had it forever. I think I got it when I was working on a story for free and it has like it's all like browns and grays and it works very well for me and then Lancome mascara I'm very devoted to the Anastasia brow pencil, mm-hmm. Anastasia Beverly Hills brow mm-hmm. pencils. Yeah. Oh, it's just a good one. I use a NARS blush, mm-hmm. I think RMS concealer, mm-hmm. RMS is a brand. Mm-hmm. See, I don't even yeah. pay attention to these brands. Yeah, that's okay. No, and you're naming like what I would call, it's funny how we were talking about legacy media and stuff. These are legacy beauty brands that okay. you're naming. Like, yeah. Yeah, a- and I don't buy new stuff that often because I don't wear it that often. I like Stila, the Stila liquid eyeliner pens. I like... Mm-hmm. Did you get in on this whole skincare thing that went that has been huge for I the last two years? bother with that because I don't have time. And actually, <laughs> I the Do only- Do you wash your face, Amy? <laughs> I wash my face. I use fill from the drugstore mm-hmm. and I use Neutrogena moisturizer. Classic. Yeah, I like it. I like it. You're a busy guy. And I have psoriasis, so I use Vanacream. Like I use a ton of Vanacream. Okay. Which- my friend, when a, a close friend who's a dermatologist was like, just, you need that. Just don't use anything else. Does it work for you? Because psoriasis is tough. Psoriasis is hor- is horrible. I've done light therapy. I've done the creams. Like it is, it is a really annoying, annoying problem. But the light therapy worked for me. And I was going, after I had my daughter, I was going twice a week to get light therapy. And it, it was a huge time suck, but it, it was really bad because when you're pregnant, psoriasis is suppressed due mm-hmm. to your immune system. Your hormone, yeah. And then after you have your baby, you get like a really bad oh, flare. Gosh. So I don't know. It's like in my 30s, I, I came out and it, it's been very aggravating, but I'm hoping I can get through the winter without having to go back to light therapy. But anyway, for those of you who don't know that much about psoriasis, you're supposed to stay moisturized. So that's why I use the Vanna cream and stay away from like fragranced products. So I think that's why I just use these sort of like these yeah, inexpensive. You can't be messing around I, too much. Yeah, like I never put anything with fragrance on my skin because I, I just have this sensitive skin. So okay, before we let you go, we're just gonna have a quick fat mascara five, fast, fast, fast lightning round. Okay. Okay. Super fast. What was the first beauty product you fell in love with? Shadow. I'm trying to remember the name. The um, no, it's like <laughs> it was like um like a sparkly gloss. I feel like we all had it when we were. In sixth grade. Lip smackers? Bonnie Bell? Yes, lip smackers. All right. (laughs) I got you. Okay. (laughs) What's your biggest eye roll in fashion? Jen Jen and I, our biggest eye roll is when somebody tells us something is clean or sustainable because we just know that like 
that's everybody now. It means nothing. Oh, I think fashion claiming that they love women of all shapes and sizes. <laughs> <laughs> and do they really or not really? No, I don't think so. <laughs> some people, I'm sure some people do, but in general, no, I don't, I don't okay. think so. Who is the designer that you think their clothes are actually really worth it? Altazara. Okay. Okay. <gasps> that show was so good. I was obsessed with all of it. I love <sighs> Joseph Altazara's clothes. I love his stuff. It's so good. What is your favorite fashion movie? Devil Wears Prada. Duh. <laughs> and we're all reading Anna the biography this winter, if you haven't read it already. I already read it. I read it on vacation this summer. Oh, and I was like... My favorite part was the footnotes. I'm not going to lie. Because then I went searching for like, who told her that? <laughs> Heavy footnotes. Who told her that? Heavy footnotes. Heavy footnotes. And I love a fact check, guys. You know I love a fact check. And Amy did her fact checking. <laughs> okay. And in the movie of your life, who would narrate it? David Attenborough. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're kindred, Amy. We're kindred. That's what, that's what Jen said for her. Oh, excellent. We can see you creeping around on your uh, in your dangerous shoes and David just being like, here's Amy reporting from the sidelines. Yes, exactly. <laughs> It'll be a, a woman in the wild wearing an outfit. Wearing Altazara. Yeah. <laughs> Getting attacked, going, going, you know, you know, encountering predators and hiding behind signs on the street. Amy, are you going to write another Fashion book? Fashion and beauty. Are too? you going to write another book? We'll see. We'll see. Amy, thank you so much. You're incredible. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product with you or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at Fat Mascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 